As always, thank you so much for downloading our podcast. The name of the podcast, Manage Your Money God's Way. We're from Compass Catholic Ministries, where we teach using biblical principles, the best ways to handle money. With the end result, you get to eliminate your debt, no matter how small or large your debt may be. The name of the Bible study is Faith and Money Matters. You can learn more, take a sneak preview of the Bible study by going to compasscatholic.org, click on Books and Studies, and take a look at Faith and Money Matters. My name is Steve Holbrook, and with me today are the co-founders of Compass Catholic Ministries, John and Evelyn Bean. Well, it appears that we're beginning to recover from all the trials and tribulations that began, what, back in February, got worse in March and April, and here we are in May. So how are you going to handle this recovery, especially with your personal finances? And as you go back to work and begin receiving a paycheck, it would be so important that you not slip back into pre-pandemic financial ways. So today we're going to share advice to help you get on the right track with your personal finances. So John, what would be, let's see, that first piece of sound advice that you'd like to offer? So I think the the thing that you need to understand is that, that you can't go back to your old ways. You've got to focus on your wants versus your needs. And there's a great verse from Sirach, chapter 18, verse 30. It says, do not follow your inclination and strength walking according to the desires of your heart. You've been doing without for all this period of time, just focusing on the things that you absolutely needed, especially if if you didn't have any salary coming in. Well, and the things you could buy. I mean, there were a lot of things that you might have wanted that you couldn't buy. I think the natural inclination is to kind of splurge a little bit. You've put off buying all these things that you really wanted but either you couldn't get them or you didn't have the money for them. And and so I think there's a natural tendency to want to go out and purchase these kinds of things. And now is not the time to be doing that. Now is not the time to be splurging. Now is the time to be disciplined, actually to stay disciplined because you've been disciplined up till now. You need to stay disciplined. So how long do you recommend Did you stay disciplined? Well, I think that depends on what kind of a hole uh, you ended up in as a result of, you know, not having a job or having a reduced income or, or, you know, whatever the crisis was that was created. I think the answer is forever. I mean, the more disciplined you are with your spending, the more you're going to be able to have money for the stuff that you really need and that's most important to you. So it's not a matter of not buying anything. It's a matter of being disciplined with your spending and understanding where you're spending your money. Yeah, I agree with that, Evelyn. But I think, uh, you know, you can relax just a little bit. Definitely. Um, uh, There are things that, you, you know, you've done without for so long that it would be nice to have this one thing or that one thing. Toilet paper. That too, you know. (laughs) So for those that have been working off an emergency fund and it's been depleted, whether entirely or partially, do you gradually start contributing back to that emergency fund to build it up? And is it gradual? I think for some people out there, um, they didn't have an emergency fund before this crisis hit. Now, I hope that they understand why we put so much emphasis on it in our in our shows and in our Bible studies. The thing that they need to do now is to uh, figure out how quickly they can grow back that uh, $1,000 as a minimum 
emergency fund so that they have at least some savings against any new crisis that might occur. You know, and you never know when that's going to happen. It, it could happen next week. Uh, hopefully not, but but you never know. So uh, you want to grow it to a thousand, and then you want to grow it to one month's income, and then three months income, and then six months income. Now you're not going to do that overnight, obviously. Uh, but that thousand dollars is really important, and you need to uh, work on that. Now, if you already had an emergency fund and uh, it was depleted then again, you got to start all over again, just like if you didn't have it, and you get that $1,000 and then go to one month, three months, six months. The other thing that, that is important here, as we're talking about emergency funds, is having a uh, workable financial budget. You know, did you have one of these before the crisis hit? And I'm not talking about a budget that you did 18 months ago and then you had stuck in a drawer and you never looked at it again. Yeah, that was an exercise that you did and you put it away and you didn't live your life based on it. So that doesn't count. Now is the time to create a real working usable budget. I think it's best that if you limit the number of categories that you're going to disperse these monies out to, to no more than 12 to 15 categories. If you've got too many, it just makes it so complicated to keep track of your budget. At the same time, if you have too few, then you're not really tracking anything. And, and uh, that's why you want to have a budget is to be able to track things. Don't forget in your budget to include giving. Now you're probably saying, how do you expect me to give? I haven't had any mo money for the last th two or three months. I'm way in the hole, and now you're talking about me giving. It's an important thing that you should be doing. And we are called to give according to our capability. So right now, your capability is really minimal, but you should still give a little bit. Over time, you'll be able to give a little bit more. And the other thing is it's important to have a happy heart, to be uh, enthusiastic that you are giving, to enjoy that you're giving. And there's several P words that uh, we should go through that your giving should uh, represent. It should be personal. I mean, it should be coming from you. You should want to do this. And out of a private deposit, in other words, you have actually set money aside for your giving. Giving should be a priority. Um, you should plan for it. Premeditated is another word. Premeditated. And it, you should not be prideful when you're giving. You know, unfortunately, there are scammers out there that are going to use any opportunity they can to scam people. And there's several things that I think are going to come up as a result of the recovery from the pandemic. In the first place, I think that you're going to find people posing as a debt collector. And if they're trying to verify who you are and they start asking you a lot of personal questions, make sure you find out the name of the company, their address, their phone number, and the name of the person you're speaking to. And if it's not a name you recognize, or even if it is a name you recognize, but they initiated the call, 
you might want to call them back instead of giving them your information over the phone. But I wouldn't call back on the number they tell you to call back on. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You, you, you know, I give your... you my phone number, you call me back and I yeah. can answer it any way you, you know. Yeah. You need to use the contact us form from the credit card company or the mortgage company or their phone number you have for them or their email address that they gave you, not something that someone called you and gave you. Right. Right. Like, you know, if you have no other number, use the number that's on the back of the credit card. That's a good number. They're going to have a lot of information about you. They should if they are truly who they say they are. Yeah, they they shouldn't be asking you for things like your social security number or your account number or your bank account number or anything like that because if they're actually a legitimate business, they're going to know that information. So the other thing that you need to be aware of is that debt collectors are legally required to provide you with a written validation notice of your debt. Now, what that is, is it could be in the form of a letter, it might be an email, but probably a letter, and it provides the amount of your debt, the name of the creditor, in other words, who the credit card company is. Or the it, lender. The lender. Or the lender, yeah. And what your buyer's rights are. I mean, as a purchaser, you have a specific set of rights that apply to that those transactions. If the debt collector cannot provide you with any of this information, uh, you need to walk away because, you know, if they can't verify that kind of stuff, they can't provide it in writing, then the chances are they're not for real and you're going to lose that money. Even if you do pay it, you lo you'll lose it because the real people who, the real creditor is going to come back to you and say, well, you didn't give me any money, but I did. I did. Not so much. Steve, didn't you have somebody call you one time and tell you that they were going to send the sheriff to arrest you? Or? That and they were going to put a lien against my property. But as you two have just spoken about over the last minute or so, if it smells fishy, it probably is. Any questions regarding your credit card, there's a phone number on the back of it for customer service. Call them to see if this is legitimate. Same with your bank. It will take you all of 60 seconds to call the bank just to verify and explain to them your phone call that you just had, and they'll let you know whether it was a scam or it was for real. And if it's for real, they'll take down your information. Now, what about these payments that were deferred during the pandemic where you didn't have to pay your mortgage or your rent or your student loan? How do we handle that when we're getting back into normal? Well, I think there's a difference between payments that were deferred or delayed and, and payments you didn't make, okay? So on delayed payments, you should have documentation that you received from the creditor or the company that you were doing business with that uh, outline what the repayment uh, parameters would be at which time they started to think that you should be paying them back. So make sure you have that documentation in writing uh, and that you follow whatever it was that they said. Remember that these businesses have also suffered during the pandemic. They had trouble paying their employees Maybe they didn't get any salaries either, and they need the payments that you're going to be making to help maintain their ability to continue to do business. 
This is Manage Your Money God's Way. We are from Compass Catholic Ministries. We're a not-for-profit ministry that works with couples and individuals on their budgets. We'll show you how to manage your finance the way God intends us to handle all the gifts that He has given us. You can read more about our ministry and how we can help you eliminate your debt by going to compasscatholic.org. And today we're discussing, now what? I'm headed back to work. I have a paycheck coming again. So how do I get myself straightened out when it comes to my finances? So Evelyn, let's talk about those missed payments over the last couple of months. What needs to happen? If you had bills that you couldn't pay because of the pandemic and the fact that you were out of work and they're small bills and you've got the money to pay them, pay them now quickly. But if there's larger payments and you may need some time to save and pay them, contact the business, let them know you're back to work and that you want to set up a payment schedule as soon as possible. If they haven't contacted you, it's up to you to contact them and get any uh, situations in agreement in writing so that you're both on the same page and you have documentation about what you're required to do. And, and that is especially good for, uh, you know, to know who you talked with, the date that you talked to them with, and then what the parameters were, and have them email you so you have their documentation in your hot little hand in case there's any dispute that comes out. And that's for any kind of debts that you had that were put on hiatus while this pandemic was going on. Make sure you know exactly what you're required to do and figure out how you can repay this debt quickly. But do you ask that question in the beginning when you know you can't make the car payment? I would hope they had. You call the creditor to say, okay, so you're asking, what's required of me? I can't pay. Are you giving me 30, 60, 90 days? But, you know, there's an awful lot of people who are just afraid to make that phone call, and so they don't, or they put it off because they're so scared about making it. Or they hear all the uh, delayed payment ads on TV or on the radio or on podcasts and they don't really pay attention to it and they think, well, the, the lender is going to take care of me and I don't really need to get in touch with them. They assume the lender is going to take care of it. So yeah. it's, it's always a good idea to be proactive when you're a debtor. And then what about all the, uh, any additional credit card debt or, or other types of debt that you might have uh, accumulated to uh, cover the essentials that you needed over the past three or four months after your cash ran out? Did you increase your credit card debt because you were the only way you could buy stuff was on the credit card? I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there that, are, that find them in that situation. Do you even know how much debt that you racked up? You need to find that out. And you need to figure out a way that you can quickly repay that debt. And quickly is one of those words that, you know, is relative. Okay, I understand. Remember this verse from Sirach on 2011, Sirach 2011. A man may buy much for little, but pay for it seven times over. And that seven times over is the interest that you're going to be paying on the credit card debt. One of the things that uh, you should be doing is setting up a debt snowball. It's a, it's a great time. You're back at work now. The money's starting to flow back again. You're still focused on just your needs and not your wants. You want to try and get these credit card debts 
paid off as quickly as possible because that interest that seven times over is going to really eat up the available cash that you have if you're not careful. So how do you set up a debt snowball? Well, the first thing you have to do is list every one of, for example, your credit cards. It would be good to list all of your debts, but especially your credit cards, because that's where you want to focus first. They typically have the highest interest rates, and it's good to get them paid uh, off as quickly as possible. You set them up in order of the smallest to the largest, and prioritize them. And it always helps to do that smallest one first. We read a review by Harvard Business Review that talked about the fact that people get more energized by paying off a small debt completely than paying off a larger amount on a larger debt. Because when they eliminate a debt, it's more um, motivating for them it's rather, than, rather than just paying off a chunk of a large debt. So it's like a victory. It's yeah, a victory. It it's a it's a win. So we always want people to concentrate on that smallest debt first and get that win and stay motivated. Now, there's something else that you're going to see out there if you're searching through the internet and stuff like that. There's uh, several people out there, and I've seen some of their columns that are advocating uh, that cash is king. I understand that part. Cash is always king, but they're saying only pay the minimum on your credit cards until you are totally back to equal as far as how much cash you've got in your emergency funds and stuff like that. That's okay, but their logic is uh, way flawed because they're saying that after the 2008 recession that we had, many of the credit cards, as people paid off their credit cards, reduced the credit limits on the card. So if you had a $5,000 credit limit and you paid it off, they might change your credit limit to 2500 or 2000 or something like that. So it reduces your ability to borrow. That's man's perspective. That's a worldly perspective because they are focused on how much money they can borrow. You know, what we're advocating here is not to have that debt, to be able to do the things that you want to do through cash and, and not have to go into debt any longer. That's the best way to handle things. That's really what stewardship is all about, being a good steward of the blessings you've got where you can buy what you need, but you can pay for it right up front with cash. You know, credit cards are just tools. And as long as you can pay them off at the end of every month, that's good. But if you can't pay them off at the, at the end of every month, you're going to pay for it seven times over, like Sirac said. You've got your credit cards all lined up, smallest to largest, and you put as much money as you can towards that smallest credit card balance and pay it off quickly. Get that win. And then you take what you were paying on that first card and add it to the minimum payment of the next credit card, which would be now your your new smallest balanced credit card, and you focus on paying that off. And then you take all the money you paid on credit cards one and two, add it to number three, and you just keep rolling it up like that. It's just like making a snowball. You start out with a little bit, then you make a bigger snowball, and pretty soon it's a, it's a softball size, and then it's a basketball size, and um, it just keeps growing. 
So, John, I think also one of the things that people need to concentrate on at this point in time is to have a crisis budget because we just survived a major financial crisis and they may know what the hard spots were when they had to cut their, when their income was cut or their expenses were raised or just what happened during this financial crisis that would lead them to develop a crisis budget that's very realistic that they could implement immediately in case there was another crisis that came up. Well, hopefully they learned a little bit by going through this. And you're absolutely right, Evelyn. They know the things that they really had to spend money on and how much they had to spend it to stay, keep their nose out of the water. You know, that includes groceries. It includes rent or mortgage payments, maybe car payments, insurance payments, those kinds of things. Those uh, minimum amounts are extremely important. And you should know what they were, what you had to pay. You're saying that this pandemic really helped me think about where I'm spending my money. And I should stay true to that. I'll give an example. I read an article, the streaming services for television, the two major ones had unbelievable increase in the number of subscribers because of the pandemic unlocked at home. Do you evaluate that? Do I really need to continue paying X amount a month for services that I probably won't be using as often? I think that's a, a great question, Stephen. And I think it's something that every individual family has to evaluate. During this pandemic, you know, where you were locked in the house, basically, you know, that was the only thing that provided any entertainment, any entertainment. Re- yeah. It, any it, respite it, from talking to each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it kind of broke the boredom and stuff. If you had a different kind of crisis where you weren't locked in the house and you could still go out and things like that, would that be so important again? Maybe not. And maybe you could just watch the various TV shows that are on and, and not need to pay 80, 100, 120, 150 bucks a and month. And I don't want to hear the excuse, but I'll miss Tiger King. <laughs> we don't even know what that is. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> you know, one of the things that just occurred to me is that people may have gotten used to um, some online ordering that may or may not be in their best interest now that things are back to normal. For example, if you're doing online groceries, is that really the least expensive way for you to buy groceries? Obviously, it was a convenience during the pandemic when you can't go to the store and you had to stay locked in the house. But is that really the way you want to go forward yeah, because with your grocery shopping? Some of these paid a surcharge to have those delivered to your home. Yes. And they, um, I know one of our grocery stores had a line on a banner on top that said, this is more expensive than what you're going to find in the store because it's a convenience. So a lot of those things that were a convenience during the pandemic may not be in your long-term best interest financially. So it just requires a total evaluation, a very critical evaluation. Excellent point, John. This would be a great time to evaluate your spending during this lockdown. Look at where your money was spent, like having groceries or household products delivered. Is it necessary to continue? Or will you continue taking advantage of those additional video streaming services? This show is all about replenishing your finances and helping you manage them with a better future ahead of you. Now, if you'd like to share the show with a friend or family member, it is available for you on demand for free at compasscatholic.org. Just click on podcast. And over the past month, we have had a number of financial questions come up, and we've turned to our financial expert, John Kennedy. John is the co-founder of Candor Path Financial here in Orlando. John's on the phone. John, we have time to get uh, an email question in for you. 
I had planned on starting my own business in 2020, but given the current situation, should I reconsider? Everything happening right now with the economy as it relates to coronavirus will end up presenting good opportunity and future economic expansion. If you take a more historical perspective of economic growth, we go through periods of expansion and contraction. I mean, that that's normal. What's not normal is what caused this particular contraction in, in terms of the coronavirus. At the same time, I choose to look at things from more of a glass half full perspective. If you were going to be starting a business this year, my guess is you've had you have all your ducks in a row. You've got you know, you probably have your emergency bucket done correctly, both for your business and your personal side. And you were prepared regardless of like outside factors and other economic conditions that one can't control. Although it might potentially make sense to put this on pause until things kind of resume normal activity, just depending on the industry and, you know, the job that you might have had before you made the jump to become a business owner. It Within the next couple of years, it's going to present a huge opportunity of economic expansion. And for that, I mean, I think the small business owner is the backbone of, of the United States of America. So I think that's more of a mindset question. If you had the mentality to want to start your business and you you have all the right things lined up already, the answer is for sure you should do it. Just of course, depending on your particular scenario, it's just a matter of whether do we wait a little bit or do we do it now? But I don't think it's a it's a long-term no. John Kennedy, thank you so much. We also had an email come in. This question would be great for John and Evelyn. So here we go. We are debt-free except for our mortgage and have a fully funded emergency fund. Well, good for you. Should I continue to save for retirement or pay off the house before contributing anything additional towards that retirement fund? It sounds to me like you're at destination five on the Compass Money Map, and that's where your focus should be both on paying off the mortgage and investing or saving. So I'd split any uh, monthly surplus in half, and I'd use half to pay off the house and the other half to go towards the retirement. Now, if you have a question for John Kennedy, or maybe you have a question for John and Evelyn Bean, we'd love to hear from you. The email address for your questions, ask, A-S-K, at compasscatholic.org. That's ask, A-S-K, at compasscatholic.org. Also, if you have any comments or feedback about today's show, or maybe there's a topic that you would love to hear us discuss, that email address is info, I-N-F-O, at compasscatholic.org. We also want to tell you about our brand new YouTube channel. It's called Compass Catholic. Check it out. Go to youtube.com. You can subscribe. Just search for Compass Catholic. We have a brand new weekly video series that we just started a few weeks back. It's called Catholic Stewardship in Real Life. Again, the channel is Compass Catholic on YouTube. For John and Evelyn Bean, thanks so much for downloading and listening to our podcast. And remember, we have a brand new podcast for you each and every Wednesday. Simply go to compasscatholic.org, click on podcast, and there it is. This is Manage Your Money God's Way. We're from Compass Catholic Ministries. Compass Catholic.